Hey, Daniel. Hey, Ben. Why was episode six afraid of episode seven? Oh, God. Oh, no. Why, Ben? <laughs> uh, because ex- episode seven might not exist yet. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> episode six is a little bit more supernatural like that. Really? No. <laughs> anyway, welcome back uh, to our podcast, Variety is the Spice of Life, featuring myself, Vin, uh, and my friend Dan here. Hello. Uh, and today... Maybe not for much longer. <laughs> anyway. On today's podcast, we'd like to talk to you about a, a couple of different things. So, first, as teased in our, our episode five, uh, big food disaster bundles that we've had in the past. Uh, and a different topic we'll be talking about today is the concept of finding a new game to play or going back to an old favourite. All right. So, Dan, let us tell the people about our chocolate soup disaster. Oh, man, the chocolate soup disaster. I still regret. I still regret the chocolate soup disaster. Um, so, Vin was coming to visit me and uh, I watched the, the guys from Sorted Food and was going through their backlog at the time and came across an episode where they had created some chocolate soup. I mean, it sounds great. I myself am a a lover of chocolate, so I was like, all right, I mean, we're going to do this for dessert after a... I think we had lasagna, didn't we? Mm. Something like that. Um, And just for reference, I've got the recipe out. So you've got croutons made from brioche and coated in cinnamon sugar in a soup of chocolate, milk and cream and cocoa powder, which sounds pretty good. It, it on, does sound alright. On right. paper. Yeah. So, like, when you imagine, you know, any sort of chocolate dessert, I, I sort of imagine in my head, like, you get, like, these little pieces of, of brioche bread, and it's sort of like a fondue situation, yeah? Where you, you can just, like, pick up a piece of bread, like, and dip it in some soup, and then you have a little bit of chocolate sauce to eat with your brioche. Wonderful. That was not <laughs> it. <laughs> no, these were, like, small bricks of chocolate, about an inch, uh, not chocolate, Brioche about an inch to a side when they held up because I think it crumbled. If I remember when we were trying to cut it and coat it in the the cinnamon butter sugar mm. thing, and then the soup. Oh man, the soup! <laughs> so imagine if you will. So like instead of like a, a small ramekin, like a little piece of you know chocolate liquid, uh, something that you might get at a renowned churro place. Uh, instead of that, imagine. Literally a bowl of soup, like like, a, like a chicken a, soup or a pumpkin soup, just as a main, uh, just full of just this hot magmatic chocolate, with a drizzling of cream, some bricks of brioche, and some mint leaves, mm. just to break it up. Yeah, and now you have to eat that soup <laughs> with a spoon <laughs> and drink like approximately. 300 to 400 milliliters of essentially chocolate that's just been liquidified. <laughs> Now, to some people, that may seem like, you know, wonderful dream. Like, I assure you, there's still parts of the soup that are in my body years later <laughs> that I'm yeah, trying to get out of my system. And I am someone who loves chocolate. And I was like, mm, this was a mistake. <laughs> so, Dan, where did we go wrong, do you think? Uh, shouldn't have watched that episode of Sword. <laughs> Shouldn't have watched that episode. It's probably where I went wrong. <laughs> I mean, like, usually there's something to be found retrospectively here. Like, when you went back to, you know, watch the video, did we actually do any steps out of order or no wrong ingredients or anything that we did? Or is it all their fault? <laughs> uh, 
I don't know the recipe here because I opened up the recipe again to uh, look on look back on it has got a strong cocoa percentage so I think we went for some fairly dark chocolate sure. I think we probably picked top chocolate that was too dark yeah okay. like it probably needed to be slightly sweeter mm. to not be as heavy as the bricks of yeah. <laughs> brioche yeah fair enough um yeah <laughs> or possibly something acidic to cut through oh yeah i could see that like maybe some fruit in mm. there uh, that would have been nice oh well maybe more mint leaves <laughs> on top so you get a mint leaf with every bite and it just yeah breaks it down i mean so then that sort of sounds like it wasn't really right that much a part of uh the process that we messed up right? But more like, I guess, in the preparation phase or the planning phase. Mm. Uh, now, I'm sure, well, food disasters come in many different forms, right? Like, I, I certainly remember times where I've been uh, trying to cook three-course meals for, you know, 20 people mm. right, in a kitchen that has two burners. Right? What are you doing? <laughs> Living my life in pain there. <laughs> but are there any times that the process has gone wrong for you, right? Rather than the planning phase. The planning phase, if I'm doing three-course meals, goes wrong a lot. Yes, like yes, it time, does. <laughs> timing those things to all come together, I really struggle with. Mm, mm. Um, but the process, the, the one that's been hitting me the most with process lately is sourdough. So I've been learning sourdough for a while now. I've made my own starter and things. And... I feel like I do the same thing or similar things each time. Mm. And then sometimes my bread just doesn't work. It's just like, I'm. sometimes it's great. And sometimes I get this flat disc that you could, <laughs> like the following day, you smack it into the table and it snaps cleanly in two. Oh, the table. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you try to cut it with a with your knife and you're like, oh. <laughs> you just doesn't want to do it. See, um, this is this is strange because every time I've actually been to your place and eaten sourdough, it, it's turned out wonderfully. Uh, I now sort of suspect that you've just got a giant pile of pebbles somewhere <laughs> in your house of all of the failed sourdoughs. These days, more often than not, it comes off, but occasionally it's just like, I don't know what is different about this. It's just not worked at all. Right. And I've eliminated one variable now. So I got, as you know, I got my fancy steam oven. Mm. Excuse me. Um, which can do super low temperatures down to 25 degrees in it. So I hear it also does a really good work on hams. <laughs> what? <laughs> These lovely steamed steam hams we're having. Did you say steamed hams? I thought we were having steamed clams. Uh, oh, yeah, it's an English expression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. These look like hamburgers from Krusty Burger. Uh, anyway, so the process. So you're not really sure what worked, but like no. after having done trial and error for ages, it now works, but you don't really know why. I think I'm working it more in terms of stretch and fold and getting more gluten in. Mm. I suspect that's the reason, but... You I'm, have no proof. I'm not convinced. But it's, but it's definitely not. <laughs> uh, I definitely don't. <laughs> it's definitely not in the proving um, mm. because now I prove it in that oven. And so I said it's like 
28 degrees, which is a great temperature for yeast, even sourdough yeast. Yeah, right. Okay. Isn't yeast, but the starter. So it's a good temperature for the starter to like bubble away. Yeah. I mean, heck, like I think dough is one of those things that like looks easy when the professionals do it. Right. But you haven't seen the years that they've been through of pain and torment to mm. try and get it right. Have you seen the hand pool, like professionals doing the Chinese hand pool noodles? Seen it. I've done it. You've done it. I've done it. Any good? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I tell you, the one time I tried it, uh, and uh, instead of like pulling apart, like, you know, regular noodles should do and be sort of elastic and narrow, mm. I, I think I got to a diameter of about four centimeters on the pull before it just ripped because it was that <laughs> dense and thick right? that I had to convert it to like spring onion pancakes which are also dense and thick because I couldn't stretch it any out more <laughs> uh, I wonder if that's a gluten thing did you need them enough? I think I needed them too much <laughs> I think you need less gluten rather than more uh, maybe but who knows uh, heck I've put my pasta machine through such a ringer that, that like the actual bar Mm. Uh, that's, that squeezes it out has a noticeable curved bend in it uh, because what are you I'm, doing? well when you put you know noodles that are way too low hydration through it because you're an idiot and want to do some ramen experimentation uh, it turns out that those become very hard without water in them funny about that yeah I wonder so if you should have brought to... them out thinner before you put them in there I, I did I tried <laughs> Like, it would take all of my weight and then some, right, to flatten it out even a little bit more. Uh, but anyway, so that plan was abandoned. Uh, and that day I had uh, ramen, but without the noodles. I just, I just had, like, ramen with So you had ramen. broth. You had broth with inclusions. I had the rest of it. And I had some stale bread to eat inside. It was fine. Sounds very sad. <laughs> so how is your... I'm sure you've got some ramen experimentation issues yeah. <laughs> yes uh I, i've not had like complete hazardous errors apart from my noodle related disasters you mean you broke your, your pasta roller i bent not broke <laughs> you can't see this but i'm giving a disappointed shake of my head <laughs> i can feel it man. <laughs> i can feel you shaking your head yeah so otherwise good pastures now right now like we can actually do ramen noodles that i know right, the percentage uh, of what it won't ruin my pasta machine. Uh, so we're fine. Um, as we say, like through trial and error and through failure, we get better at this sort of thing. I think you have to go through a disaster one or two times to actually get good at yeah. kitcheny. Yes. <laughs> as long as you don't burn your kitchen down, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now... It's all to take out if it's that bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly like I'm so lucky here we've got such access to, to good food around I mean not so much where, where you are <laughs> yeah I need to I do have to do instant noodles if I have a disaster at home at the moment mm. but that's why the stock is always kept very full <laughs> <laughs> I mean my backup is like a, a set of random two minute noodles here mm. uh, that I jazz up a little bit to make it feel like I'm not eating two minute noodles with some like peanut butter and some chilli sauce there's nothing wrong with two minute noodles I'll have straight two minute noodles oh, or maybe with a little bit of cheese just to have cheesy two minute noodles yeah that's the vibe good. it's good yeah okay. on, if you've got fresh bread on fresh bread excellent yeah right is that something that like you've found something that was like really good when you were younger and see like part of the taste of it now is the nostalgia for it maybe 
Yeah, okay. But I also did it during uni. I was like, yep. Yeah, why not? Because our next topic is about, you know, going back to something that's really good uh, or trying to find something new. Uh, because I've been mulling around for the past few days and weeks uh, trying to scratch my Japanese RPG itch, uh, my turn-based RPG itch. Uh, and the best, almost hands-down, uh, RPG that I ever played uh, was the Golden Sun series for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, is that the one that had the little like solar panel in the car, or is that a different one? I don't know what game you're playing, but it no, sounds that cool. Must be. <laughs> there was one. Oh no, it was Boktai. I don't know what the English name is, just because I hear it referred to as that, and it's like got a solar panel in the GBA car. All right. The power of one of the weapons like goes up the more like exposure on this solar panel thing, or something. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a solar panel. Maybe it was like the old calculator. Yeah, the calculator light strips. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Okay, that sounds awesome, but we're going to do some additional research after (laughs) this episode is done because I'm going to find that and play it. Uh, But no, so like it's a it's a wonderful game, which uh, with a a story that I think was really good at the time, Mm. uh, and mechanics that still hold up to nowadays. uh, And I've been getting an itch to play it, but I'm not sure if it's worth it to either find a new game like of that genre to experience something wholly new uh, or go back to something that I know I like already, right? but it's old and familiar. So it won't be anything like the first time that I played the game. Mm. Uh, I won't enjoy it as much as I did the first time, uh, but it's still going to be a good experience. I guess the question is, what is, what is the new game you're considering? Well, uh, in terms of the, the new game, uh, I've been sort of considering either... Well, still in the sort of retro field, uh, but going back to some other PS2 uh, RPGs. Mm-hmm. So particularly uh, the third in a series that I've yet to finish, uh, Atelier Iris 3, uh, is a, a slightly more polished game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got better graphics, better like, more, it has voice acting for one. <laughs> what you mean the GBA <laughs> game doesn't have voice acting? No, no. <laughs> what kind of blog are we? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I've been tossing up a few other ones because I know that there are other good games out there, uh, but it's about that risk, right? Mm. It's about the level of risk that you have to take with finding a new game versus uh, getting a non-ideal experience, but a good one from something that you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, are there any games that you go back to regularly then? Regularly is hard. Hmm. Um, I don't know that there's a huge amount of games that I replay after finishing them. Hmm. Some of the old Mario, so like Super Mario 64 hmm. is one that I've beaten a number of times and like the 64 Zeldas I go back to. Yeah. Um, but often... Like, have you ever played one of the old games in in deference to playing one of the newer games? Like, say, have you ever gone back to playing Pokemon Red Blue instead of a new one in the series? No. Although I also haven't... No, no, I did play Sword. I was just about to say I haven't played a Pokemon since Black and White, but sure. that's a lie. Okay. I picked up Sword, but didn't finish it. I know. Seven gyms? Seven gyms in. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I tend to move forward, although I did recently, last year, 18 months ago, wow. Mm. 18 months ago, I revisited Persona 5 when Royal came out. Oh, yeah. Um, 
which I guess had new content but was l- largely the same. Okay. Um, and greatly enjoyed it. That came as the world started to change, and um, hmm. it was a it was really good to play at that time with the new content and just the way that. Like, this sounds terrible. It felt like I was having social interactions sort of <laughs> during, during the time when that was not a thing at all. You're right, that does sound bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't go anywhere, so... Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I don't know, you've, you've not booted up an old Mario Party compared to, like, the new one? No, but that's mainly because they're not easily accessible to sure. me at the moment. Fair enough. I do want to get to a new Mario Party, which is only old Mario Party. Hmm. <laughs> so what do you think it is for you? Like, why do you choose newer games and new experiences rather than old ones? I think it's because I like to experience new stories. Sure. And move forward with new stories because I get sucked into fantasy story. Well, hmm. not, not just fantasy stories. I get sucked into stories yeah. very easily, as you know. Um and so I like to just conti- keep experiencing new ones, but mm. I have gone back and done games before, but compared to moving forward, I tend to move forward more than sure. replay old ones. Okay. And does this expand outside of games? Like, do you watch old movies? You know I don't watch movies. <laughs> Almost full stop. Uh, old <laughs> anime series, like classics. <laughs> um, yes, but... I would sort of end up having large gaps between them and sort of five or six years and then I'll go back and be like, all right, I want to experience this again. I've forgotten sure. enough of it. Yeah. And it's, I, I'll only ever go back to like my favorites generally. Yeah, I won't okay. go back to like other ones. Yeah. Because I'll tell you right now, like I will, I'm very happy to never watch another Naruto episode ever again. And I was very heavily into that way back in the day. <laughs> Uh, I like I know it's a good time, right? But I'm cool. I think I've like saturated my my lifetime with Naruto, and then I'm done. You not a Shippuden? Not into? Nah, I never. I never got into Shippuden. Uh, or Boruto? I think that's the kind of one. I can't believe Naruto is old enough to, have to legally kid? have a child. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those weird things where, like. I, I for, for games, right, for stuff that I have to, like, interact with, I, I'm very happy to just have, like, a regular, like, experience. Like, I'm very happy to, like, play my old board games right, mm. with my friends for, like, years and years and years right, rather than getting a new one. I'm also happy to play board games. Like, yeah. I don't necessarily feel the, the need to move forward with board games, yeah. which is odd. Yeah, right? Like, I would, I would pretty this. much <laughs> always play, like, Catan. Mm. Right. Oh, Katan. Yeah, I haven't that... played Katan. We need to play Katan. <laughs> right up. Right up. But like for me, Katan is never like a, a top 10 out of 10 experience anymore because again, it's lost some of that novelty and it is familiar mm. in that way. Right. But it's always like at least a 7 or an 8. Mm. Right? Whereas a new game right, can absolutely be a 10 out of 10. Right? But it can also be like a 2. <laughs> and I don't want that in my life. Life's too short for 2s. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and so I don't know I guess I'm very I, I have a particular style when it comes to art, what, what kind of media it is whether mm. I prefer old or new experiences and I don't have a really good reason as to why I do that mm. 
consistency consistency of decisions has never been your strong point. This is true. <laughs> I think that's the only thing that is consistent. Yeah. Anyway, we are we are going to move on uh, to our fabled uh, third part of the show. The most uh, consistent thing in your life. At the the only <laughs> consistent thing in my life at the moment, uh, and that is the game Counterintelligence. Uh, and so, Dan, what do you got for me today? Well, seeing as we've just been talking about video games, we're going to keep talking about video games. Sure. So I want you to give me five platformers that are not in the Mario franchise. Okay, so five franchises that are not Mario that are platforming. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to say that the Kirby series are generally platformers. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> well. The, the main... Let's call the main ones platformers, yep. sure. Okay. Because there's also pinball and <laughs> pinball, yeah, Kirby, and Star Ride, and golf, yep. and yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> asterisk, right? I'm not actually going to put this one forward, uh, but the Yoshi series because some people consider that Mario. <laughs> well, considering it spawned as Super Mario World Two, and I said no. Right, <laughs> uh, but. Yoshi's story, separate entity. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm still going to say no. <laughs> I'm also going to say no. <laughs> All right. So platformers are uh, the Uncharted series. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Earthworm Jim is a platformer. <laughs> the only thing I can remember is like one line of the song from that show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to say the Sonic series uh, is our platformers. They are. And the last Except one... Except for the pinball game. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic Spinball. Yeah, and the... Uh, and the racing Olympics games. games. <laughs> and the racing games. And my last one out of my five. Bubsy 3D. <laughs> the, the possibly the worst platformer I've ever seen in my life. Man, oh man, Bubsy. It's a great series. It's great for its content factor, right? It? It's great to see other people play the game. <laughs> oh, well done. Thank you. Most of those I hadn't thought of when I was thinking about this topic. Yeah, I've, I've not thought about platforming games in a long time. They're a bit of a... Well, they're not, not too many of them anymore. Mm. Uh, what were you thinking of? Uh, I was thinking of... Sonic is probably about the only one I had thought of from mm. your list, but things like Rayman... Oh, yeah. yeah. I kind of like sideways into Earthworm Jim instead of <laughs> um, And like Castlevania or Metroid are platformers as well as like Metroidvania because there's platforming in that. And okay. They're the sort of things that I was thinking down sure. the lines of originally. Hmm. So, well done. All right. What so, have you got for me? So, Dan, can you name me five string instruments? That are not orchestral. Like, do not belong in a modern orchestra. Western orchestra. <laughs> oh, boy. It's a tricky one. So, guitar. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. <laughs> what sort of orchestra are we talking? Uh, just a modern, fully kitted out orchestra that would play, you know, stuff like Renaissance music or Baroque music or whatever. Mm. What the common man thinks of when they think orchestra. Because this is a terrible answer. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to put you on the spot with it and see what you think. Sure. Like piano. 
That is an orchestral instrument. Is it? Yes. Because there's always, there was always, there's generally speaking, always a concert piano. I, at least to like tune the other instruments to, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Ukulele. Ukulele is correct. Banjo. Banjo is correct. Mandolin. Mandolin is fine. And Chapman stick. I have not heard of a Chapman stick. So there's there's a guy mm-hmm. near here that actually busts with the Chapman stick and it's um, a long, thin instrument that's got a thick, like, very bassy C in the middle. And oh, then it's sure. got, like, bass strings on one side and... Uh, I don't know if they're treble, but like a higher clef strings on the other side. Yeah, right. It's really cool. Okay. So, as for bonus, <laughs> right, can you name five stringed instruments, right, that are not based on the lute? <laughs> Harp? Harp is not based on the lute. Uh, uh... I don't know if I've got five. This is a very <laughs> itchy head scratcher. <laughs> um, instrument would instruments be with bow that use bows be based on the loot? I think technically yes. Okay. <laughs> um So we're still going for non orchestral. If you can think about oh, like a non orchestral yeah. ones too. Yeah. Oh, Although I have seen harps in orchestras. But they're not typically <laughs> in orchestras. Yeah. Can you think of any Eastern stringed instruments? Oh. I don't know any of the names of them is the problem. Fair enough. If you just like give a general description of it, I'll like... <laughs> that also aren't orchestral nah I, I don't know that I've got fair enough answers for this one have you got five uh, no I have several but not five <laughs> I know that there are plenty uh, but I have the Guzheng, uh from China that's the little twangly one that you play with like both hands oh, with, yeah. the, with the fake nails mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's the zither which I think might be from like Eastern Europe mm-hmm. uh, or like Arabic area uh, there is like and this is like a heavy asterisk on this one, a harpsichord. <laughs> because mm. they were traditionally for solo play, non-orchestral. <laughs> it's a very big asterisk. But well, you said modern orchestra, so they're definitely uh, yeah. not in the modern orchestra. Yeah, fair enough. But depends on... I mean, I was making the same play with the piano. It depends on what you call a strings instrument. Cause yeah. You're not strumming those strings technically. But... Yes, but you are plucking them or for a harpsichord. Was it pluck? Yeah. Yeah. Harpsichord is a fully plucked instrument. It's just the keys pluck the strings. There you go. Yeah. It was the transition to the hammer that made the, the what do we call it, piano forte or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is the dumbest name. <laughs> Welcome to my quiet, loud <laughs> concert. <laughs> no, but that's it, right? It can be quiet and loud. Right? Yeah. Because, um, like, I think it was the only instrument that, like, had... Uh, I guess buttons or keys that mm. could do that at the time, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's pretty much all I can think of. Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, oh. I'm sure there are tons more, but yeah. I'm not that smart. <laughs> oh, that one, that second one was very hard. Yeah, yeah. So like when I said it before, it was like a, it's it's very easy if you pick like all like 
American country music items, <laughs> and, and then it's fine. <laughs> Any closing words for the gang? No, not this week. <laughs> no, you don't want to give us a plug. <laughs> Uh, no, you're, you're better at the plugs than I am. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have uh, any uh, medieval or otherwise stringed instruments not based on the loot uh, that you have thought of <laughs> that we are not thinking of, please send your emails to Variety is the Spice of Life podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, we are rapidly approaching uh, the mysterious and fabled epi- uh, episode seven, uh, which this episode fears greatly and deeply. <sighs> <laughs> We'll see you all next time. See you next time.